0: you're tuned in tuned up and ready to go welcome to Rhea's ham shack a weekly conversation about amateur radio shortwave listening and radio tech hosted by Rhea gyro and Two rj and heard weekly on wrmi legends shortwave and now here's your host Rhea. well hello my friends and welcome to another Rhea's ham shack right here on wrmi legends Yes, and you can hear this show on WRMI Legends five zero five zero on your shortwave dial every Thursday at nine p.m. Eastern, eight p.m. Central time. And uh, please uh, leave any comments for the show at ria at n2rj.com. That's Romeo India Alpha at n2rj.com. Well, this week we're going to continue our learning segment, and I'm going to tell you all about navigating the airport security and the TSA with your radios as well as some tips for getting them through customs if you're going to foreign countries yes and I have some very specific advice now my former home country is Trinidad and Tobago and customs has some very specific procedures they want you to follow of course not every country is the same but I'll use that as a learning example of how to navigate that so how are you doing um it's been a pretty interesting week or two of course we have that war in ukraine still going on we have um the stuff that's going on in israel so uh if you have a moment you know say a prayer for everybody affected and i hope that everybody sees peace and a lasting peace very soon so that's what uh that's what's happening uh, my friend Amir, 4X6TT in Israel, unfortunately, he suffered a loss So, um, in this whole conflict, so it does hit home. So yes, we will get right into the learning, but first we are going to take a break, and we will come right back, right here on Ria's Hamtrak so i am ria call sign n2rj and you might know me from such youtube channels as ria's ham shack on youtube you can go to youtube.com forward slash at n2rj and you can catch all the goodness all the great videos and some exclusives that you don't find on other youtube channels youtube.com forward slash at n2rj ria's ham shack on youtube and sometimes i do the live with real live streams on sundays and we do other great things you can catch me on my travels places i go and things i see and do ria's ham shack on youtube youtube.com forward slash at n2rj youtube.com forward slash at n2rj all right let's get into it today's learning segment is all about travel with your ham radios remember we started this last time and now we're going on to it again so we talked last time about getting a license and the license gives you the permission to operate. And of course there are several ways to operate. You can operate at a friend station in your destination country or place. Um, if you're traveling within your country or within the United States in cases, my country, uh, you can operate from club stations. I know there are several club stations. Like if you come to visit the United States, you can go to the ARL and I'm sure David Minster will be glad to have you operate there. Okay, that was a joke. But of course, they, they will. Um, the station manager, Joe K- in all seriousness, Joe Karsha, NJ1Q. He is um, he's a very, very knowledgeable radio amateur. And he always accepts a lot of guests to the W1AW station. And you can operate there. I've operated there a couple times. And it's always a uh, good experience operating from Ham Radio Mecca so to speak. All right. So, but provided you want to operate your own equipment. So there, there are several things you must do. I mean, the first things first is to determine if you are going to need any special permission. The first, that should be your first step. If you're traveling, let's say within the United States, generally, you don't need permission to carry radios. You can carry any radios that you want. And you just make sure you pack them securely, but there are rules that you have to obey when it comes to our friends at the TSA. So the TSA is the transportation security administration, in case you didn't know, and they essentially handle all of the airport security and screening for luggage and passenger air travel. Right. So the first decision you got to make is, does this go in my carry on or check luggage? Given that a lot of the airlines are charging extra for check bags, you might be flying with check luggage. Well, um, sorry, with carry-on luggage. (laughs) Where's my brain today? But yes, so given that most of the the airlines are charging for check luggage, you might be traveling with carry-on luggage. That's all well and good. You know, you pack your radios in your carry-on bags. Make sure that if you have any batteries that they're secure. And we'll talk about batteries in a minute. But you pack it up. The only caveat I would see is in terms of antennas. Some antennas might trigger off airport security, especially if they're in the if if they can be used as weapons. I think the TSA might have a little problem with that. You know, sharp pointy things, they might not allow it. So you might have to spend the money for that check bag to put antennas on. Your transceiver, I would take it with you in the carry-on. Just because I don't want baggage handlers banging around an expensive transceiver. If you want to put it in your check luggage, I would pad it up really good. But generally, no problems. Now, we're talking about batteries. So batteries are always a sticky thing, especially lithium batteries. And the general thing about batteries is they, the airlines, the TSA... Do not want them in check luggage. Because batteries can start fires. So batteries generally you have to put in your carry-on. And there are very specific rules. The batteries have to be of a certain capacity. If they're lithium batteries. 100 watt hours or less. And you can calculate the watt hours by multiplying the voltage. Times the amp hour rating of the battery. And that will tell you. How many watt hours the battery has. Generally, you know, if you buy like a bioeno power battery, you can buy that from Chat Radio. Uh, he, he has um, bioeno batteries as well. Bioeno is lithium iron phosphate. And if you look at the the 7 amp hour bioeno battery, 7 times 12 is 84 watt hours. That's good. But if you try like a 9 amp hour battery, that's probably gonna be over the limit. Now, theoretically, you can carry batteries up to 150 watt hours with the airline's permission. And generally, you know, a lot of people do that, but I prefer not to take the chance. A 7 amp hour battery is plenty. I actually took one with me to Japan and it was no problems getting that through security. No problems whatsoever. Just make sure that you don't have any exposed terminals. And if you do have exposed terminals, tape them up with electrical tape. I generally have power poles on my batteries and I have the PVC bioeno, so I'm good to go. So that's that's pretty much the story with if you use an external 12 volt battery. Now, you can also use like HT batteries, right? Like for my Kenwood and my ICOM radios, um, I carry batteries, essentially, either installed in the equipment, or in plastic bags, like a Ziploc plastic bag, and this way I keep the terminal from shorting out, and um, they they're not liable to cause fire. So, yeah, the Icom 705, uh, by the way, is a is a pretty nice radio for travel. I love traveling with mine. I um, that takes standard Icom HT batteries, so you can actually take an Icom HT battery and. I would leave it installed in a radio because this way, you know, it'll conform to TSA rules. If you're carrying spares, you can carry it in a, in a plastic Ziploc bag. Now, um, one thing about the 705 is that you do get only 5 watts if you're using that battery. Of course, to use uh, the full 10 watts, you need an external battery like a Bio-NO. Okay. The TSA might take your radio out and they might swab it down. They've They've actually been doing that for a couple of mine uh, they're, you know, they're well within their rights to do that. So just be calm and, you know, <laughs> um, be, uh, uh, respectful. Your cables and wires should always be neatly bundled up. You, I generally like to use a method where I'm like doing one loop in and one loop out this way could unta- unravel easily. If you're carrying coax, you know, you might want to put down your check luggage, although I had no problem putting that in my carry on. It's really not a problem. All right. So that, is that now, um, I did mention about getting permission. So within the United States, generally you don't have to get permission outside the United States is a different story. I mean, they view radios very differently. Some countries you need to have a license period in order to import a radio into the country. Otherwise your radio is likely to get seized if you're lucky or, um, you could probably spend some time in jail. I wish I was kidding, (laughs) but, um, it depends on the country most most european countries european countries are pretty good with it i've traveled with radio to european countries they never asked me to show any license or anything like that and uh, just i just go in you know um the united kingdom they don't really take pay no mind to it in germany they paid no mind to it either uh Zoll, they basically just you know um they asked me do you have anything to declare i'm like no i'm below my allowance and then I just walk right through, you know, I didn't carry a lot of expensive stuff, but, um, yeah, so I have radios there now in Trinidad and Tobago, which is my old country who oh boy, you're in for a shock because after we had radical Islamic terror in 1990 with the Jamaat al-Muslimin and, um, their, their friends from, they were trained by, um, Colonel, um, Muhammad Gaddafi in Libya, and they took over parliament in 1990, I might've mentioned this before. They use CD radios, and the government has gotten really, really strict about radios coming into the country. So you're going to have to declare to customs, and then customs is going to take a bond, right? You're going to pay money equivalent to the value of the radio, and then when you leave, hopefully you get your money back. But that's not a guarantee, one other thing is that you probably need to contact the Telecommunications Authority of Trinidad and Tobago, TATT, and ask them for a type acceptance document. You know, it's, not, it's it never hurts to play safe. You take that and then you show that to the customs officer so they don't arbitrarily seize your radio, you know, and you have your license and everything. So that'll be good. I mean, to be honest, when you're traveling to that country, I would just travel with a Baofeng because, you know, the Baofengs are light and they're cheap. They're like 25 bucks. If I lose one, if it gets seized, no big deal. I have no radio for a trip, but I didn't just lose a thousand dollar Icom um, radio. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So that is that. Um, The other thing about traveling with radios generally is that you can't have them turned on in the aircraft. So they must be off due to FAA regulations, not even for receive, because some of the receivers have oscillators. Um, Well, at least the older radios, some of them had oscillators that interfere with the avionics. So they kind of just banned that outright. So that's some other things. If you're traveling by road, I mean, you know, you're traveling over land. That's fine too. I think that's the best way to travel with radios. You load up your car and then you drive. I've, I've done that a few times. Right. So all good there. Yeah. And, um, that's, that's kind of a, a nice thing to have. Now, one thing you should always do is, um, if you can enlist, if you're traveling to a foreign country enlist the help of the local amateur radio society, and they will tell you like, for example, in Japan, what um, the JARL, the Japan Amateur Radio League, not only helped me get a license, but they also helped me get my equipment in. Uh, Japanese customs really didn't have any problems. Uh, But my license, I had my license document listing my radios, and that was no problem. And I was able to operate in Japan. Always that. If you're going to Europe, of course, if you're American, you don't need any license other than your American license and a copy of the FCC's public notice, like I mentioned last week, Uh, you keep that with you and that will allow you to operate. Okay. Of course, like I said, you can always operate with friends and above all have fun. Cruise lines are a major sticky. A lot of cruise lines don't allow the radios, So leave the radios at home. When you're going on a cruise, they will probably just, you know, confiscate it or just not allow you to bring it on. I don't think they want to deal with ham radios. because those, those vessels are registered in foreign waters anyway. Right. So did you know that if you're in the United States, you can have access to some called TSA PreCheck? I'm sure you've seen TSA PreCheck. TSA PreCheck, I've had global entry for a good few years now. And um, it's actually, it's reminiscent of pre-9-11 travel. So you would get on the airplane and then... You would, um, sorry. Now you'd get to the airport, and then you don't have to take off your shoes. You don't have to take out your laptop. You could leave everything in your bag. Just pass through a security scanner. You walk through a medical, de- uh, a medical, a metal detector, and not an invasive, full body scanner. So you know you go in, and um, if you have anything, they just um, they'll they'll have no problems. Uh, they do check things because my daughter and when we were coming back from uh, from Orlando, Florida, my daughter left a Pepsi, a bottle of Pepsi in her bag. And um, well, that didn't go too well. TSA had to rescan the bag. They found it and she had to throw it away. But, you know, yeah. Speaking of things, I mean, obviously, you know, you're not going to be able to carry a dummy load through a dummy load with um, oil in it because that's liquid. They don't allow liquid on airplanes and um but other ham radio gear should be fine you know a lot of hams tend to make a big deal out of ham radio gear going through the tsa and customs and it's really no big deal at all except as i said if you're in foreign countries uh and you know it's it's a good it's a good thing i always carry a ham radio at least so i can have backup communications cuz you never know right you never know FRS radios from the U.S. might not be good in GMRS because other countries have different bands. Like, for example, in Europe, they have PMR-446. I don't think you can use your U.S. GMRS radios there. They will have a problem with that. I don't think you can even use, like, um, you know, your regular ham transceivers on PMR-446 either uh, because that is actually on 446 megahertz, So it's it's in our 70-centimeter band, but it's... um, it's different so i was mentioning about club stations you know in germany i actually had the privilege of operating from Roden schwarz uh, headquarters in munich right and um, Roden schwarz uh, they're a big equipment manufacturer they design all sorts of cool stuff not only for broadcast but test equipment and also defense and all of that stuff so they, they make a lot of exotic electronics, <laughs> as I like to call it. And they make oscilloscopes and spectrum analyzers and broadcast automation, transmitters and a whole bunch of stuff. Naturally, they have hams on staff. And uh, my friend Mikhail uh, DL1XMW and also Jan DG8NGN, our friends there, Jan Trzewski, who also, by the way, is involved with the Hamnet broadband Hamnet project. They let us operate in the 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 Munich Rodenchoars Club station. and that's why I operated the q o one hundred satellite. And that was very interesting. So I did have fun operating on HF. If you're going to like a hamfest like Ham Radio Friedrichshafen, you might find that there are stations there which you can operate a little bit, right? There might be some, not only inside the exhibit hall connected to outside, but also outside. You might find the, you might find some in the camping area. You know, you meet up friends there and you do things. Okay. But I always have a handheld radio, had a handheld radio on me. I run the APRS. Oh yeah. And the APRS configuration is a little different because remember in Europe, you're doing like their prefix stroke, your American call sign. So for me, I would have like DL stroke N2RJ, right, for Germany. And uh, I couldn't enter that in APRS. So I just entered um, operating as DL slash N2RJ in the comments. It sent my call sign as N2RJ, but because I transmitted the full call sign anyway, it was not a problem. So I identified legally. So all good stuff to make your travels go well. Of course, travel well and enjoy yourself. We're gonna take a break and come right back with the news. So if you're on the YouTubes and you wanna check out great content, why don't you check out Ria Samchak on YouTube? That's youtube.com forward slash at N2RJ, youtube.com forward slash at N2RJ. You can see all the latest videos, a lot of new product stuff. You see some occasional live streams and you get to see some amazing learning content. We all need more learning content. youtube.com forward slash at N2RJ youtube.com forward slash at n2rj and of course be sure to like and subscribe that's youtube.com forward slash at n2rj so here is the news on Hamshack, and this week we're actually having a call to action so the FCC has finally published in the Federal Register the proposal to finalize the acts from the World Radio Communication Conference. And one of these acts is the fate of the 60 meter band. So those of you who are in AM radio probably know that we have a band around 5 megahertz, somewhere within 5 to 6 megahertz called the 60 meter band. Currently, how it's implemented in the United States is that we have some channels which is rather unusual for an amateur allocation but we have channels where we have to tune exactly and we have certain rules to follow in, in them and we're able to use those channels for all types of communication and it's especially useful for emergency communication because we can actually communicate directly to FEMA and other agencies and we've actually done tests interoperability tests with them so it's good to have that spectrum that that spectrum is a hundred watts peak envelope power um but it's a hundred watts at the antenna so it's a hundred watts effective radiated power meaning take into account your antenna gain so now we have this and now the fcc is requesting comments on a proposal what the fcc is proposing uh is that and the ntia the which is the government's FCC they are proposing to delete the channels and replace them with a continuous allocation well you might say good I want a continuous allocation I want to tune across I don't want to be channels like CB you might be right but there is a big cash first of all that 60 meter band is only 15 kilohertz wide whereas we had five channels you know, 2.4 kilohertz. That's fine. And it's only 15 watts ERP, meaning 50 watts, including 15, one five, including your yeah, antenna gain. So that'll be disastrous. I mean, we, we wanted that band to support emergency communications when you have the 7 megahertz, that's a 40 meter band, and also the 3.5 megahertz band, which is the 80 meter band there was nothing in between there was nothing to fill that propagation gap and this also allows some interoperability so what you do is you go to i'll give you the url fcc.gov forward slash e c f s that's echo charlie foxtrot sierra forward slash search forward slash docket dash detail forward slash 23 dash one two zero so you're commenting on docket number 23-120 and then you can submit an express filing where you directly enter your comments. I wanted, I'm going to be doing a video for this on Ria's Hamshack YouTube channel or you can um, do a, a standard filing where you use like a standard Word document or a PDF and you upload that. So, your name and comments will be in the public record. So, do that. Make your voice note. You know, don't be angry, but explain rationally and logically why we need this spectrum and how we should resolve this. And I think that hopefully the FCC should give us, you know, the benefit of the doubt. We need your comments. Um, What you shouldn't do is just copy and paste something you saw on the internet. Uh, You should formulate your own comments. They want you to... Coming on, so you want them to keep the existing channels as is, in addition to have the fifteen kilohertz subband, and you want that fifteen kilohertz subband to have one hundred watts because when you have a hundred watts, that gives you so much more communication possibilities than fifteen watts the deadline I believe is the end of this month, the end of November. So you definitely want to get these in as soon as possible. Okay. So please do it and definitely do it. So that is an important item of news. It's a call to action to save our bands. The next big item of news, of course, is this weekend's hamsai festival of eclipse ionospheric science so this weekend on october 14th we have the annular solar eclipse which will give you not a full uh totality blackout of the sun it will give you a ring of fire around the sun so um that will be interesting but not only from the visual aspects and please wear your eclipse glasses or use at least shade 14 welding glass okay and um that should that should help you, and buy some good. You know, go to like your your local um, welding supply shop. I mean, Harbor Freight is. Eh, I'm not I'm not too keen on them. I wouldn't. I don't think I'd trust my eyes to them. But um, yeah. Um, or you can use different methods. You can have like a solar projector. But the 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 the, the thing that really is good for us is that this will give us some insight into how It affects radio wave propagation. And our absolute superstar of solar research is Dr. Nathaniel Frizzell, W2NAF. He is a professor at the university of Scranton, and he's leading this important research work. It is of course funded by a number of, um, different places, including the national Heinz foundation, NASA is a partner. And of course, ARDC of which I am proud to serve as a director. So they are definitely funding and bringing this important research. So the, uh, the, they have the festival of the eclipse and ionospheric science will be happening on Saturday on the non-work bands. So essentially, you know, you have like anywhere from six to one sixty meters, excluding 30, 17 and 12. Right. Um, Try to use like a digital mode or even SSB so you can use CW, FT4, FT8, single sideband or other digital modes. Um, You also, if you're not transmitting, I mean, you can have like the the Gladstone signal spotting challenge. So essentially you're running like PSK reporter to go and uh, gather data. Okay. Yeah, so they have a whole webpage at hamsci.org, hamsci.org. They have a number of cool ways to get involved. Um, if you had one of the great personal space weather stations, well, you can, you can use that. But, um, you know, um, actually, if you can get one and then have it on 24-7, 365. You can also record medium wave recordings like your local AM radio stations, and uh, make IQ recordings using an SDR. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a real good event. Check them out at hamsci.org. Remember, this weekend is the annual eclipse, and that's like kind of a warm up for the big eclipse. The big eclipse is going to happen in 2024, April 8, 2024. There's going to be a spectacular full eclipse in um, North America. Of course, it was, it's not going to be as grand as a great American eclipse, which happened in 2017, but this one is going to be great. It's going to be pretty great. Okay. Yeah. So be sure to check that out and, um, you know, take part, I mean, in whatever way you can, you're contributing to science, right. And our understanding of the sun and ultimately the universe, Now, for our listeners in the United Kingdom, in Great Britain, uh, we have the RSGB 2023 convention, which is happening on the 13th to 15th of October at Kens Hill Park Conference Center in Milton Keynes. So they have a full weekend of the very best amateur radio lectures from around the world. They have lecture streams, forums, special interests, and all this stuff, and Good old fashioned amateur radio fellowship, but you can, if you're in England, you can actually get a day ticket at the door for 30 pounds, uh, on the 14th and 25 pounds for the Sunday. If you're doing Saturday and Sunday it's 40 pounds. So you get 15 pounds off. They have a, a pretty interesting program this year. So on Saturday, they have a number of lectures. About um, so they have the opening, they have by uh, the keynote by Colonel John Duty, life in the RF spectrum during the last 60 years. You have Nobby Styles, G0VJG, the Rockwall D expedition. You have uh, automated search for radio echoes of long delay. Um, you have about Raynet, which is their their emergency communication service. You have Mark M0DXR talking about WRTC 2026 which is going to be held in the UK. You have a whole bunch of others. Um, portable contesting, uh, RSGB board, um, Don BD G3BJ, who uh, was also with the IARU. And um, yeah, lots of good, interesting stuff. They have um, uh, space comms and... Deep Space Networks in Goonhilly. You know, Goonhilly is that Earth station in the UK that uh, even monitors qo 100 satellites. So, yeah, lots of good stuff. And then you have lots of good amateur radio fellowship sponsored by Martin Lynch and Sons and the RSGB. So if you're in England, check it out. But if you're not in England, even if you're in England and you can't attend... You can actually get the live stream, so you go to rsgb.org slash main forward slash rsgb dash 2023 convention forward slash uh, rsgb dash 2023 dash convention dash live stream. And um, yeah, you can can, uh, register to see it, but um, it's free, but you still need to register, okay? So I'm going to take a peek at some of it as well and report back. Now, here's a story from India, where we have ham radio operators, um, or traced 547 tourists. This one is from the Statesman. It says they play Messiah, but I don't know. So essentially more than 500 tourists scouts from Kolkata in India, Durgapur and Barakpur. Oh, that's a place in India. Okay, there's a place in Trinidad by that name too. They're gone missing after the devastating glacial lake outburst. So, there's a, a lake outburst and flash floods in North Sikkim. And they've been traced back by ham radio operators in Bengal. And uh, they have uh, relatives of tourist families. Uh, six people from Durgapur's uh, Beringi remained clueless. Okay. And then you have the district administration sought out the assistance of the state interagency group and ham radio operators of the West Bengal radio club also were accommodated. And then, um, Ambarish Nag Biswas, the secretary of the WB West Bengal radio club said the Maroon Durgapur families were traced back in Lachan by our licensed operator Soma Kosh this morning. The families couldn't contact either their kin or civil administration, and their batteries of their cell phones are often exhausted. Well, there's a big surprise. The battery runs out, what's your cell phone going to do, right? And they identify 547 tourists from different parts of the country, and they've uploaded their signatures for their true identification and to facilitate their kin in the planes. Um, okay. huh? and they're going to airlift them. I guess they already airlifted them. Yeah, they also rescued 12-member group of tourists from Gujarat and 150-member group of scouts in Sikkim. Okay. That's good. Amateur radio doing good, which is always a great thing, always. You always hear the the saying that amateur radio saves lives. I guess in India it you know, it more than anything it happens. You know, India is um is becoming a very technologically advanced country, but there are vast areas of India that are not, and then they have wireless service, but sometimes it doesn't work. So, you know, you kind of need that backup with ham radio. And finally, I'd like to give uh, another call to action. So if you're interested in serving with ARDC, the Amateur Radio Digital Communications, we have several opportunities to do so. They're, um, they're accepting applications for serving on the com- the committees and you can apply until 31st of October, 2023. There are several committees. There are There is the Grants Advisory Committee, the GAC, they call it. And um, that uh, evaluates all the grants, which I guess right now is the most public activity of ARDC. There is also the Technical Advisory Committee, which deals with the 44 net activities, which is very much a part of ARDCs. There's a conduct review committee, which, uh, deals with the code of conduct incident reports. And then there's a new one called the grants evaluation team, which evaluates and analyzes grant reports. So you have here, if you look at ARDC.net forward slash ARDC dash committee dash recruitment dash 2024. You will see a number of uh, these um, openings, and these are volunteer positions on the, the committees. And then you have some um, some uh, testimonials, like you have Adam Lewis, KC7 GDY, who is a TAC member, Technical Advisory Committee. He says, it's been an absolute joy to engage in meaningful discussions and contribute to the vision and future plans of ARDC, with the aim of enhancing the amateur radio uh, radio communities experience and then you have Dwayne Hendrix W A W A A D Z P he basically says that has um he entered amateur radio at the age of 12 he considered it a hobby and was amazed at the many things he could accomplish with radios and the people who use them after 3 years on the GAC, my view of that hobby has dramatically changed based upon the diversity and content of goals and uh, proposals i reviewed I realize that for all these years, I've been a member of not just a hobby, but something that I now refer to as the Amateur Service. And of course, Dwayne Hendrick, um, Tim Pozar, KC6GNJ, and uh, he's been on several committees. He says being a member of both GAC and TAC, he's been very rewarding. He's been instrumental in not only directly helping out radio amateurs, but also in funding open source projects that help the community and the world. An attack has been driving the force in developing ARDC technology to leverage the legacy ARDC ipv 4 address space to make this available and easy to turn up for the community. So he's proud to observe. All right. So that is news. We're going to take a break and come back. We're going to do some Q&A this time, folks. I know you love that segment. So we're coming right back. So, if you want to listen to this show, there are several ways to do it. The first of all, of course, is to listen on 5050 on 9 p.m. on Thursday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern U.S. Time on Thursday nights at 0100 UTC. And you can listen on 5050 kilohertz shortwave. The other way, of course, is to catch replays on. Fridays at 1 p.m. Central or 2 p.m. Eastern on wrmilegends.com so you can catch the stream the replays on wrmilegends.com. But in case you missed it, you know, maybe you had some things going on, you want to catch it on the podcast, no problem. Just look for Ria's Hamshack on your favorite podcast app. Wherever you get podcasts, Ria's Hamshack is there. Or you can listen on WRMI legends at 5050, you can listen on the live stream, or you can listen on the podcast. Many great ways to listen to great content just for you from Ria's Hamshack. Now back to the show. All right, so Q&A time. So the first one is, um, Eric here says that how he has a weird situation, he lives in an apartment, he can't have uh, any antennas mounted outside, so no attic access. So what's his best option for two meter operation? So, uh, there are a few things, I mean, glass mount, he's, he proposed a glass mount, glass mount antennas work. If you have a single pane of glass, unfortunately for a lot of, uh, windows and homes, they're double paned. Uh, they, you know, they have two panes of glass and then they have like a inert gas in between them. So that's going to be a non-starter. I would recommend getting a whip probably mounted on the side of the, um, The roof, you know, you could could do like a little lip that basically sits in the window and you have a window mount, or you can do some with suction cups on the outside of the window if you can. You might have to also remove an insect screen, some landlords get mad at that too. Uh, If you have a balcony, yeah, you can definitely do that. Uh, You can definitely do that, but um, those are some options. You can also have an antenna indoors, indoors is good if you have a vehicle parked. Uh, but that doesn't help you if you live in uh if they're not on the if you're you know you're on the first well if you're on the first floor let's see if you're on a ground floor and you have a vehicle outside you can mount an antenna on your vehicle and then run a wire Uh, but if you're higher up then you're out of luck so a mag mount kind of works but you need something on top of ferromagnetic material so probably gonna cookie sheet maybe yeah but um you probably need some a little bigger you know a lot of different um things you can try a lot of different things there are a lot of uh, spaces for antennas unfortunately apartments tend to be rough which is why I don't live in one anymore you know so you know it's um it's really uh something you need to to look out for all right uh, next question from Scotty says, what's the best tiny essay under a hundred dollars available on Amazon. So, um, anything under $100 for a hundred dollars for tiny essay, you're likely to get junk, junk and more junk. Uh, basically just, you know, essentially folks, you're getting like the, 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 the people who, the bottom feeders, I hate to call them that, but you have people. Who will just make junk and it wouldn't be properly calibrated the best place to get them no joke okay and they're they're a sponsor of wrmi legends so you'll be doing good as well r and l electronics so you go to r a n d l r and l.com and you can get the um tiny essay from there all right so that's that's generally the best place to get them R&L Electronics, you know, and they, they won't steer you wrong. All right. Um, next one, and this is right up my alley. Paul says, has anyone put a radio in a 2018 Kia Niro with a gas hybrid? Um, and uh, he has a FTM 400 DXR. He's never done installing on a hybrid. So a lot of these hybrid and um, definitely hybrids will have a 12-volt battery because they still have a, a, um, a gas engine. And, and to be quite honest, even my Tesla Model Y has a quote-unquote 12-volt subsystem. But I did something a little different in mine, which I'm going to document in a YouTube video. I use an MPPT controller, a solar controller, to step down the 15.5 volts from the Tesla electrical system into something the radio would like. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it will have a 12-volt system. You open the, the the hood or the bonnet... And you will find that you will have a, um, you will have a access to the 12 volt battery. Now you can use the accessory socket. And what I like to do with the accessory socket in, in cars is I like to use it to power a battery charger and you use a battery charger to charge an external house battery. So a house battery is essentially a battery that's dedicated to your radios. The term house comes from the RV world where you have a battery bank used to power the quote unquote house in an RV. Yeah. So that's what you want to, um, that's what you want to do. Right. So lots of, lots of good things to do with a mobile ham radio. You know, I do, maybe I'll do a whole learning segment on mobile ham radio sometime. What do you think about that? All right, so here we have. Um, Kara says you passed your technician exam and received a call sign. Looking for a recommendations, advice for a mobile radio that won't break the bank. Looking for an ICOM 2730, yes, F- yes, FTM 200DR. Okay, so uh, you can, um, ICOM makes a, a bunch of different radios. Um, You definitely, so the first consideration, I think, is determining if you want to do digital and then digital might add to the cost, unless for some reason it's Yesu, in which case Yesu sells, they sell cheap digital radios. Um, ICOM actually makes quite decent mobile radios, of course, and um, the ICOM 2730 is not really that bad of a radio. But also look at Alinko. I love Alinko. Alinko makes really nice budget radios that are solid as well. Yesu, the FTM two hundred is a good one, and um, but um, you need one, you know, that's um, a good uh, a twin band radio. So one of the best radios I like and that I have is the Yesu FT eighty nine hundred. The FT-8900 is an older radio, if you can find them used. They not only do uh, um, dual band, true dual band, they also do cross band repeater, okay? So you can essentially par- uh, have an HT and you can then um, connect to your car over the radio and go into the radio. So you, know, you definitely want to, to have, um, you definitely want to to see what works for you. You might find that, you know, you want to do something HF, that's fine too, right? So, but the ICOM, the ICOM IC2730A is a very good beginner radio. So this next question delves into a topic I want to do some time on the whole radio show, but this is an old question. So this person lives in an HOA, can't easily put up an HF antenna outside and there are solar panels on the roof. So that may not be an option. He was thinking of stringing a dipole in an unused bedroom upstairs. If I were to transmit at hundred Watts on HF or even 50 on VHF and somewhere in where in that room, would it be dangerous, long-term dangerous, or even short term? If it were in the attic with those additional six feet of vertical separation. Okay. So the real thing for this is that in we have RF exposure standards and the RF exposure standards are developed in conjunction with the IEEE. And essentially there are a set of calculations that you use to determine if it's safe to have these levels of radio frequency energy next to you. You look for RF safety on my channel, youtube.com forward slash at N2RJ. I have a whole, um, explanation of how it works and also calculations. And it tells you how to get the RF safety calculations down. I would think that 100 watts in a bedroom with somebody sleeping directly beneath a dipole might be not good. The main effects that we know of are heating, right? They're not, um, you know, it's not radiation, ionizing radiation like x-rays, but we don't, we frankly don't even know what the full effects are. So okay, so don't let me get ahead of myself. Wayne Overbeck, who wrote some of the software to do these calculations, he actually wrote a basic program back in the day. He was explaining, he said, yeah, you know, further away doesn't hurt because we really just don't know and we know the effects of heating, but we don't know what the other effects are. So there you go, my friends. I I really wish that you do this well. My personal preference is antennas outside. But even inside, I think you definitely want to put the antenna far away from people, you know, far away from people so that they're not, um, affected by radio waves. All right. Next question. Clifford says, gotta love calling CQ for an hour between 10 meters and two meters, 70 centimeters only to hear static and crickets. It's like calling my deaf dog. How do you find join us? How a second mortgage? Okay. Well, yeah. So the first thing you got to do is learn propagation. The 10 meter band is not open a lot of times, especially at night. You're not going to get too many contacts on 10 meters. So you definitely want to try other bands. Okay. Well, if you're a technician, you know, it's going to be a little tough. You want to look at the propagation. You can look at dxmaps.com and you will see like a, a current list of stations that are contacting each other, you can also check VOA CAP. You look for VOA CAP, VOA CAP. That is a site that does propagation predictions based based on data propagation modeling for the Voice of America. You know, the Voice of America was, well, still is, um, but they used to broadcast a lot more on shortwave. They, um, they studied shortwave propagation so that they could optimize their transmitting times for propagation. But people have taken this public domain data, thank you, U.S. government, and they have actually distilled it down so that you can now use it to make propagation predictions. And people, some smart people, have decided that they have made a website To do just that. So that's good. Now, what concerns me even more, buddy, is you're going on two meters and 70 centimeters and calling CQ. I hope it's not on a repeater. Well, if it is on a repeater, that's probably why I get crickets because nobody calls CQ on there. How you say, how you put forth a general call on a repeater is say your call sign and listening or monitoring. Like if I go on a repeater, I say this is N2RJ monitoring or it says n2rj listening or i might just say n2rj listening and that's it if there's anybody around they might come back you know sometimes people don't come back no big deal i find that the best time to get contacts on the local repeaters is during drive time yes people still commute to work is not all work from home right i, I enjoy working from home <laughs> But, um, yeah, it's, you know, you, you, you get, um, you get that available to you. Okay. So definitely do that. Right. But it's patience and, you know, 10 meters is kind of a tough band. 10 meters is more active now at the peak of the solar cycle. So you know, just, uh, just keep on going, you know? Um, yeah. So next question is this person, is upgraded from the novice licensed technician. How can I use my new technician privileges right away, just like generals upgrade from technician? And the answer is absolutely yes. You know how? You say your call sign stroke KT. So if you're a novice KN6ABC and you just upgraded technician, you could say KN6ABC stroke KT, and then you are operating. That's of course when you're using your new technician license privileges. Novices have a lot of privileges. Well, they have like, you know, CW on all of the 40, 80 and 15 meter bands. They also have 10 meter voice, single sideband. They don't have all the VHF and UHF, but they have like a whole bunch of different frequencies, you know, on the HF side. So plenty of opportunity. So next question, you have this person here um doug wants to go to new zealand yes (laughs) yeah um he wants to go to new zealand and um i want to go to new zealand it's a good country somebody send me to new zealand please (laughs) but um yeah you go to new zealand and you want you're an extra class that's good radio amateur and you want to um to operate and how do you identify well you can identify with your American call stroke ZL or you could do ZL stroke your American call. The only exception is that if you are like visiting like one of the islands like Chatham Islands or something like that, you need to go ZL7 when visiting Chatham, ZL8 when visiting Kermadec, and ZL9 when visiting the sub-Antarctic Islands. Yes, New Zealand has those. So you definitely want to to observe that. And then you're able to do that. Um, if you're visiting short term, I believe less than 90 days, you don't need to make any application. Just bring a copy of your license, keep it with you. And you keep a copy of the New Zealand licensing conditions, which is available from the New Zealand, um, nzart.org.nz New Zealand association of radio transmitters incorporated you download and you read the current uh, information and you go through it and you get the information, right? If you're visiting over 90 days, you need to obtain a New Zealand license so you can go and take their tests and obtain their license. But for short visits, it should not really be a problem. You know, it's just like visiting Europe, right? When you go to Europe, all you bring is a copy of your license and the FCC public notice. And that's all you need. Like when I went to Germany, well, that's what I did. You know, I didn't have to do anything else. All right. This one is from the UK and basically this person says, Mark says he drives with a group of friends on car rallies in both in the UK and Europe. He used a Baofeng UV5R, or UV9R connected with a PTT system and headphones to communicate. However, he uses standard aerials antennas for you. Yanks on these and connection with a decent range can often be poor Can anybody suggest mobile aerial to improve the antenna performance? So he wants a better antenna. Well, um, you can get a mag mount. I mean, uh, I like like the Nagoya mag mounts. They sell them on Amazon. You can go and get them. You know, if you want to pay Jeff Bezos some money, you get them. And um, you just, um, you know, put them up there. Um, But uh, he said he's operating PMR. Well, I don't know their... Their rules I, I would I suspect it would be illegal. But anyway, I'm not here to judge the laws. You any obeying of the laws is between you and the authorities. I'm telling you how to do um antennas. So you can use US made um US market 70 centimeter band antennas because they they're um the band goes to four forty six megahertz. So uh yeah, it's um really, really interesting. Okay. Alright, Um. so, uh, you know, it a lot of things have been going on in the world, and I will tell you that, um, pray for peace, I mean, you know, there's there's a lot of things going on, and I hope that, you know, between Ukraine and Israel and all the other stuff going on, I hope that we don't suffer rough times, you know, I've had some personal stuff going on as well too, some people who follow me on social media know what's going on, but... You know, I'm hoping that um, things could weather the storm. I have faith in God, and, um, you know, I have faith in myself too, which is important too, you know, because God helps those who help themselves. All right? So, um, coming up, we have a lot of uh, good things going on. I know Christmas and the holidays are coming up, and, you know, you're getting that new ham radio under the tree, um, or maybe a Hanukkah gift. You know, if you're, if you're Jewish and you celebrate Hanukkah, so, um, that's, uh, that's always good. And as we progress into the holidays, you know, try to stay safe, right? Use only approved extension cords, you know, UL or ETL listing is best and having them, um, the frayed ones, just toss them in the garbage. Really. You're not going to do anybody any favors by using a frayed extension cord. Try not to overload your Christmas lights and your radios. Do that RF safety exposure um, evaluation that I talked about. You know, make sure you're not irradiating people. Now, you know, that one is a little controversial because, I mean, the amount of heat generated is pretty small. But apparently there could be hidden effects. We don't know. I mean, the RF maximum permissible exposure amount is... Is very conservative for a reason. So you know, we want to to be safe, but the regulations also permit what you call field strength measurements, where you actually go and measure the field strength. I have a feeling a lot of hams don't have the capabilities to do that accurately. You're going to need a calibrated field strength meter and possibly trace back to NIST. So uh, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff. You know what, iPhones and such and other wireless phones like Androids, they actually do what you call SAR testing. They have like a robot that goes and probes around the device to see how much RF it's emitting. They run a special software on a device and then they start transmitting. So they see how much signal it puts out. One of the actual, one of the iPhones actually was discovered to have exceeded European limits Um, that was the iPhone 12 and they kind of had some problems with that but I don't know what happened with that I think uh, they're still investigating okay but yeah so stuff like that happens I have a I haven't well I have last year's iPhone now the iPhone 14 Pro Max and to me it seems to be good I I try I don't really make a lot of phone calls okay when I'm making phone calls, I use my AirPods. So I don't have the full blast of cellular radiation against my brain. But I might have just a little bit from the Bluetooth in my AirPods. Yeah, they're good stuff. All right. um, Would like to wish my kids a happy birthday. They celebrated their 13th birthday on October 7th. And very happy they're growing up. And, you know, maybe I'll convince them to get a ham radio license. They're studying. They are learning foreign languages. Uh, we see how that goes. That's another hobby of mine. All right, my friends, this has been Rhea's Hamshack right here on WRMI Legends. I tell you, you want to support the show, you go to WRMIlegends.com. You can also go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash at N2RJ. That's youtube.com forward slash at N2RJ. We can check out some of the videos, you can like and subscribe. You can comment. You can do all sorts of cool things, you know, to interact with the community. I also publish this show on the podcast. So if you miss an episode, download it on the podcast. But the best way to listen is on WRMI 5050 on Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern. You can also listen to the replay at 2 p.m. Eastern on Fridays, Right? So you on WRMIlegends.com, they play the replays. So you find the TED and, you know, the WRMI Legends team plays replays. My friends, as I always say at the end of the show, I wish you peace and 73s. And please, my friends, enjoy. And as we wind down to the end of the year, we hope you have a great holiday and Christmas season and everything comes with it. Peace out. N2RJ.